Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I'm the editor at the GRC Institute. And once again, we have with us our CEO, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi. Welcome. Hi, Kwame. <laughs> so we're going to have a little bit of a chat, just looking at AML and financial crime very generally and very, very high level, and also having a bit of a chat about our upcoming AML Financial Crime Congress. So we thought, you know, maybe we can start by just having a, a chat about what are, you know, what what are some of the things that are happening in AML and financial crime space that be affecting financial crime professionals and compliance professionals? Well, what isn't happening? <laughs> I mean, um, we've got a consultation paper out. I think that that's the big uh, the big thing in the room. So it's more than the long anticipated trench to sort of bringing in real estate agents and lawyers and everybody else into the fold. Um, this piece of work has implications for everyone who already has a program established and who has been relying on the structure of Part A and Part B in particular to structure their programs around those things and sort of tick them off. Um, so I think that's a really big piece and and the submissions for the consultation on that, we're putting in one in conjunction with our AML discussion group, but that's all due the 16th of June. So it's going to actually go at quite a rapid rate in terms of feedback on this one and in terms of it being actually implemented. So I think it's really important for, for members to give a bit of thought to that and have a look at the consultation paper if they haven't already. Because the, the object of the exercise ostensibly is to simplify the program, but what is also buried in there is being more explicit. And, and this correlates with a lot of our observations of what seems to be happening out there in the AML space is that those um, entities, and it is at the more immature end of town, let's be realistic, but those entities who don't have a really strong foundation of understanding compliance obligation risk um, and what you do around mitigation strategies around that and the full spectrum of of the risk management process from end to end, haven't really come 100% on board with the risk-based approach that Austrac was trying to push. And I can understand, you know, when you're working with principles-based regulation and you're working with very fluid risks, the last thing you want a regulator to do is be overly prescriptive because it's not going to achieve anyone's objectives at the end of the day Um, because these risks change all the time. But what we've observed with some of the students coming through who don't have that strong background in compliance is that they uh, miss the step after doing the risk assessment even, or they miss some of the nuances of the risk assessment. It's really difficult to for them to anticipate and get intelligence and utilise the resources that Austrac are putting out to understand what the risks are because they're external. Yeah. And, um, and then it's really difficult for them to think about mitigation strategies because they're external and because they can't, you know, they can train staff and they can come up with policies and procedures all they like, but that's not going to stop a criminal trying to launder funds through you necessarily unless, you're, you know, your staff can be really well prepared, but the attempts may still be made. So I think there's a lot, there's a big piece of work in there that I think that they want to um, raise a level of maturity about 
uh, with this consultation and get a. So they are going to have to be a little bit more explicit about there are other steps you need to do. And so quite often when I've had conversations with people about Part A and Part B, there's a lack of recognition that Part B to me looks a lot like some of the controls you will put in place. Knowing your customer is a really good control for figuring out whether they might be going to try and launder funds through. If you can't get the information out of them, um, it's not just a, you know them being a little bit vague. Mm. You start to get a sense that they might not be a customer that you actually want to onboard for starters. So there's a few there's a few risk management sort of nuances in Part B that I think people aren't getting. I think they get a little bit ticker box. Oh, we only need to collect this and this. So we collected that. Cheers for us as opposed to going, hang on a minute, and then and then these these tend to be the same people who then get tied up in knots about enhanced customer due diligence yep. and not understand what that looks like. Because, again, it's just expressed that you need to do enhanced customer due diligence and, and they haven't got the experience to really think that through. So I think there's I think there's a bit in there that will come through in the consultation, and that's a lot of the themes that we are addressing in our Congress, which ironically is running two days before the consultation's due in on the 14th of June where we are having a whole lot of speakers present on their experience around taking it that step further, really building out the meat in the program after you've done the risk assessment, because the risk assessment is all very well, but if you don't address the risks, Austrac's not going to be best pleased, and you're not actually stopping um, money laundering at all if you don't have something else in there. Reporting the transactions and being passive about it is the is the absolute bare minimum. But if you were putting that on a maturity matrix, that's uh, you know, that's not even foundation level. That's the absolute bare minimum, I think. So yeah, we'll be talking a lot about that. This is the next step where I think it needs to go, and this is where I think the consultation's trying to take take it. However, we all recognise the fact that legislation and regulation are really have to be so broad and so principles based. Yeah. Um, that sometimes it makes compliance people a bit anxious because it hasn't been stipulated to the to the nth degree and, you know, there's yeah. no certainty around it. But also, if you get too prescriptive, it doesn't anticipate the changes that are going to happen, particularly in this environment. So it's it continues to be an ongoing challenge. So I think that's where uplift in your skill set, uplift in sharing that intel. And, you know, that's where the um, AML discussion group is really, really valuable because people are sharing their real-life experience of what, well, how are you getting this extra information without putting off the customer or tipping them off or, you know, doing all the yeah. – because you've got some you've got some guardrails that you've got to stick between, but you still need to do the work. So, yeah, that's 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 some of the busy times in AML. We've got, um, you know, sort of floating around in that space is also the, the sort of chatter from members about – the emerging risks in the cyber and privacy space and and uh, whether, you know, an enhanced customer due diligence process is actually in conflict with that or exposing you to more risk. So there's lots of chatter about that. Again, I think a sophisticated understanding of what you're trying to achieve in both realms would help a lot. It doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean that you can you are going to get it right. But you, I think you have to assess what will mitigate each risk and what risks you have to keep. You know, you can't you can't um, get rid of. So, for instance, you have to collect a certain amount of data and you have to collect this, and you are collecting it anyway, versus protecting that. So, so quite a bit going on in this space that overlaps, as usual, with all of your other requirements. 
Sorry, I'm yeah, glad that um, Kwame. <laughs> no, no, that that's perfect. And it sort of really leads very neatly into, as you mentioned, our event, our AML Financial Crime Congress is taking place uh, just before the actual submission of this paper. Um, so when is the AML Financial Crime Congress? So that's the 14th of June. Submissions are due the 16th and our Congress is on the 14th of June and we'll obviously be covering the topic of um, the, the consultation paper and what that might mean because of the impact it has on people already with an AML program. So anyone yep. who is who has not read the consultation paper thinking it doesn't affect me because we're trench one, um, yep. you really need to download a copy and have a bit of a look at what they're thinking of doing uh, yep. moving into that. And then, you know, when, when we reached out to speakers for this event, every single person agreed with us that their their observation in the industry is that there are a lot of instances of a lack of sophistication in the risk management part after the risk assessment's been done. Yeah. And, it, and I guess it goes on what our speakers in previous years have said, is your risk assessment a real thing? Yeah. Um, because it doesn't look genuine if you then don't do anything with that intel. It's really nice. You've painted it on the heat. You might have even got it into a heat map and then you don't do any mitigation strategies against it. You just look at it and go, well, that's what we got. So so there's definitely some work there. And when we reached out to Oztrack and Leanne King, who's the Acting Director for Industry Education and Outreach, uh, kindly agreed to speak at the event, they also strongly agreed with this, that they're yep. taking the risk-based approach means the whole thing not just looking at the risk and deciding what risks you'll keep. It is the whole um, beginning to end process is meant to be taken on board then. And it is only currently implied if you want to get picky about it. In my opinion, it's, it's you'd read it. And if you're an experienced compliance professional, you go, all oh, right, they want us to manage it all the way through. If you weren't, you go, I did my risk assessment. You know, what do you want me to do now? So they, you know, they very much agree with that. And so did a lot of the other speakers that we asked to sort of look at this topic from from different perspectives. So we're trying to cover off all of those issues. What happens next after you've done the risk assessment? What other other things might you have in your toolbox besides KYC and yeah. and enhanced customer diligence and PEPs? What else can you do? where the overlap is with your AML obligations and your other regulatory risks and how can you can you juggle all those and really get an understanding of what exposures you get, what you can't say no to, de-risk yourself of, for want of a better term, and where you're going to go with it. And then we also, as you know, cover off other financial crime areas on this day because our members tend to have AML as part of a suite of responsibilities as well. So we are covering off modern slavery, anti-bribery and looking at fraud and scams risk because this is definitely something that's of interest to a lot of regulators. And then, of course, we have the new fraud uh, body. I don't know whether we'll call them a regulator yet until that's all fleshed out mm. being created because this is a massive problem. And, yep. you know, this is exactly... This is exactly why the AML regime was was uh, was established as well, you know. So it all sort of fits together. Is is to stop anti money laundering protections is to stop crime because if you stop the yeah. money, there's no point doing the crime. So if we can stop that, we can stop fraudulent activities. You know, they all sort of play into each other. Hopefully, in a perfect world. <laughs> 
how can people attend the event itself? Ah, okay. So we are, thanks to our sponsors, we are looking at a hybrid model. So if you happen to be in Sydney, we have a venue where you can join your fellow professionals. If you can't get to Sydney, then you can join us online for all of the sessions. Um, We are only running one stream this year because everyone's uh, really flat out. So it is just, just the one event at this stage. But they are all very common issues and I I think at this stage with our members we don't you know I don't think that there's any need to separate out into the two streams for this year in particular because these are really common challenges. Well excellent so we've covered the themes and some interesting (laughs) speakers which of which we will not pick a favorite of. um, (laughs) Not until afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Not until after. So yeah so June 14th um, hybrid model uh, come with your notebooks or your laptops open, come ready to take notebooks. some notes. Um, and of course, we, as you said, we definitely be addressing the the consultation, which we do uh, two days later. And yeah. hopefully, you know, that sort of really gets people thinking about their programs in the future, because of course we don't really know what will be actually adopted um, ultimately. No, no, but I think I think in broad terms you can anticipate that um or the way the consultation reads to me is that they're expecting you to have done the next step in a quite substantive way and to be able to demonstrate that you've done it uh so i think that that's where we need to get everybody in industry excellent any last words for listeners who are now obviously revved up to come to the congress (laughs) um listen Um, you know our discussion groups are going really well. If you're not part of that community um, of members who are part of the discussion group, please join and join the groups. They're incredibly valuable because you're sharing real life experience and real life challenges. And uh, I'm always amazed at the commonality of the issues that are arising. Um, and it all all the conversations enable people to take their program that next step. You know, I I. The feedback I'm getting on the discussion groups from the participants who come along is that they walk away from those having learned something new. So you don't need an expert yeah. speaker. You need to come along yeah. to a discussion group and they're included with your membership. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a, I think that's probably my number one value thing, to be honest. Um, it's all very well to get an expert speaker in and some of them can be can be outstanding, but sharing that with your peers, I think, is a really good way of learning all the time. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.